The Word of God is our chart and compass. It is the foundation for every believer. And these words I read to you this morning, they are heartwarming. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! These words from Psalm 139, specifically verse 17 that I just read, they are the theme of the reading in the bulletin today that is given by Mr. Spurgeon. I highly recommend it to you. It would be a great comfort uh, to your heart to realize that God is thinking upon us all the time and that we are never out of His eyesight, never out of His thought, never out of His concern. He loves us with an everlasting love. And so, believer, be encouraged as we come to a new day, and we thank God for a new Lord's Day and for the privilege we have of being in His house with His people and in the joy of worshiping and lifting our, our hearts to Him. We will do that right now from, with number 671, O God of Bethel. And please, let's stand and lift our voices and our hearts in praise to our Lord.
Let us turn our hearts now to the Lord in prayer and take a moment just to be settled and still rushing in from a morning, coming into the house of God. Let's be very still now before Him. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we come into Thy holy presence today in this public forum in the house of prayer, lifting our voices and our hearts in thanksgiving. We come, Father, today to the throne of grace with the authority of heaven. And we need not fear that we will be turned away. For, Father, we know that we are always welcome. And we want to take this truth, this great grace and gift, very carefully. We want to take it, Lord, boldly. We want, Lord, to acknowledge that we belong to You and that we are Your people. We come this morning as we approach the throne of grace in Christ Jesus' name. It is upon that name and no other that we dare approach. Yet, Father, we know that we are covered the robe of His righteousness. We have been forgiven because His blood has been shed on Calvary's cross. And we know now, today, our sins are forgiven. We know we have a home in heaven. We know, Lord, that no power or force can keep us away and out of our final and eternal destination. And I pray, Lord, that we will not forget in the course of our life that Your thoughts are always upon us. Indeed, Father, we are kept in the hollow of the hand of a sovereign, omnipotent, loving Father. And I pray that this truth will encourage and strengthen every, every heart now. Because perhaps, Lord, some knees are feeble, some hearts troubled, some wondering, has God forgotten to be gracious in my life? Oh, Lord, I pray that those doubts will be dissipated, and they will not be able to be fastened or find a a ground to be planted in our hearts. Help us, Lord, we ask, to walk closer in obedience and trusting of Thy holy Word. And that as we have the promises that are so precious and so secured and faithful in Christ, that we never have to fear, never have to doubt, never have to wonder, Lord, For you are our great God. And today we say without apology or shame that we love Thee. And Father, we want to follow in the footsteps and pathway that is honorable to Your holy name. Help us, therefore, we pray. Empower us with Your Spirit. Enable us, Lord, to accomplish great things for the kingdom of Christ. Not that we will receive the praise, 
Let man be hidden always behind the cross. And Lord, make use of our testimonies. Make use of what you have done in us and help us to lead sinners to Christ. Help us to be a light in our dark day. Use us, Lord, in our neighborhoods. Use us in the workplace. Use us, we pray, as we meet people on the street or in the market. O oh God, grant to us that when people observe the lives of your people here, that we will reflect the beauty and the love of Christ. They will see that we have been with the Lord. And Father, to that degree, keep us from every temptation. Keep us from every time that we would stumble and fall into sin. No, Lord, keep us from that, we pray, and help every believer to have a shining, bright testimony for our Savior. Remember our sick, Lord. We hold them up again in Christ's name and pray for your hand to be upon them. We ask for blessing upon those who have had long illness and some situations that are so debilitating. Lord, we know that every detail of the lives of your people absolutely clear and known, and I pray that great grace will be given to every one of your children here. And Father, you would bless all faithful tongues proclaiming Christ today, every preacher and missionary that is faithfully following the Scriptures of truth, faithfully preaching and proclaiming the wonders of the kingdom of God. Lord, bless them. May there be prosperity and reviving in our land. And Lord, we pray that you would expose and reveal every false tongue and everyone that would proclaim that they are followers of Christ, but are imposters and deceivers and liars. Lord, rebuke them. Cause them to be removed from the scene of time. And I pray, dear Father, that in every, every tongue that is proclaiming the wonders of Jesus, there would be signs following the preaching of the Word, the Word of life. And so, Lord, remember our nation today for we need help. And we pray again for our leaders. We pray that they would be restrained from evil, that they would be directed in the right path. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are suffering today in other lands, suffering because of persecution, warfare, terrorists, Lord, undertake for each one of them. We don't know their names. We might know one or two, Lord, but we don't know the names of the majority, and we just therefore ask for your blessing to be upon them. Hear our prayer today. Lift our hearts. We pray. Give us joy in our worship, blessing in our service. Lord, at the end of our time, now in this meeting, as we gather around the communion table, Father, go in front of us, we pray. Bless our time there today. 
And may it be a, a time of great refreshment, blessing. We commit all these things now in our Savior's precious and holy name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise. Number 499, Call Jehovah My Salvation. And it's to the tune of Jesus only. And I think you'll find this fits very appropriately. Let's stand, please, again as we sing. before you sit down. Yeah, I don't think we got hold of that first verse the way we should uh, because we were still wrestling a little bit with the tune and the word together. But now you know how it all fits in the syllables. Let's do this first verse once more. Call Jehovah thy salvation. Rest beneath the almighty shade. In his secret habitation dwell and never be dismayed. First verse. Amen. 
was good. Good praise to the Lord this morning. Please turn to Psalm 55 for our Bible reading. Psalm 55. This psalm will tie in with what we want to speak to you about from John 14 in our service today. Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My soul, my heart, is sore pain within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, my acquaintance, we took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, and for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah, because they have no changes. Therefore, they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Cast thy burden 
upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved, but thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. May God bless his own precious and infallible and inspired word to all our hearts today. I want to welcome you all this morning to our morning worship service. We're very happy that you're with us, either in person or you're viewing our service online today. And if you're visiting with us in either place here or outside, you're very welcome and we trust the Lord will bless you and encourage you in His own precious Word. As we come to our communion service today in the first Lord's Day of the month, we want to invite every believer uh, to participate around the Lord's table. If you know Christ, if you're saved by His grace, then you are welcome uh, to have fellowship with us and to partake of the bread. And if you are walking in fellowship with God and uh, no reason to stay away, then we encourage you to have fellowship with us. It'll be a joy today as we will welcome four new folks into membership with us today, and that will be a blessing just before we have our communion service. To please continue to pray for the persecuted believers all around the world. Remember the believers, the missionaries, the ministers in Ukraine, and we ask for God's hand to be upon them and to bless them. Please also continue to pray for sermon audio and the needs of that very vital ministry that is able to take the Word of God all across the globe. Today at 5.50, we'll be having our congregational pre-service prayer time downstairs, and then at 6.30, our evening service. And please remember this incoming week, the ministries that we have going. Wednesday evening will be our Bible study and prayer. We hope to continue in Psalm 63. And if you were reading the bulletin today, you would have noticed that uh, our brother mentioned that we'll be studying uh, or trying to memorize verses 6 and 7. Well, actually, I mentioned last Wednesday, we're going to use this as a review week. So this will be a review for your memory from verses 1 to 5. And so please uh, try and endeavor to hide God's Word in your heart. This coming Friday evening at 7 p.m., we have a Sunday school teacher's uh, training time. And for those who are interested in getting involved in the Sunday school ministry, and this is not just for new people. We want to have a fellowship time afterward, and that's for all our Sunday school teachers that are currently serving. We want to have a devotional time, and again, looking at a challenge of the, uh, the need for teaching of boys and girls and of children. So come along. You'll be most welcome. We expect that all of our teaching staff will be there. On Saturday evening, the Connect group, the next one, will be held, Lord willing, via Zoom, and that will be at 7 p.m. And then our services next Lord's Day. 
want to think of a couple of advance uh, ministry announcements going on, and that has to do with the following week, May the 9th to 13th, will be our presbytery and prayer times down in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, do remember all of the ministers, elders that will be traveling there in person and those that will be viewing our service online or those services online as well who cannot make it. Also, please remember a very important meeting in our own church here. That will be on May the 18th, and that's our annual general meeting. Now, at that time, we hope to have an election for deacons as we do this every three years generally. And so this will be the election for deacons to serve for the next three years. Next Lord's Day, you will see, I, well, I want to make a, an announcement next Lord's Day as far as the, the men who are candidates and nominations and that have been cleared by the session. And therefore, that membership list of the congregation will be posted on the bulletin board outside that hallway next Lord's Day. And uh, you will be able to also know the men to be praying for them as to who you would like to have elected to that position. Now, if you are going to be away on May the 18th for that AGM, you will be able uh, to see our clerk of session, Mr. James Fraser, and he will give you or make arrangements for a ballot so you can submit your vote. We don't want to see anyone left out who is a member of our congregation. Also, please remember, on May the 22nd will be the next National Day of Prayer for our churches across Canada, and I'd just like you to mark that, please, in your calendar. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 670, before the throne of grace, and remain seated, please, while we sing.
Amen. Great words, hymns by John Newton and uh, men of that uh, category. Well, they were men of God and uh, blessed hymns of the Church of Christ that bear the testimony of Scripture and the reasons why we can sing to His praise. Turn please with me now in your Bibles to John chapter 14. We have read from this chapter several times, and I was going to skip out reading the first verses and come to the verse that we want to cherish today, but I thought, no, this is an occasion in the course of our study of the life of Christ that enables us to think on these timeless words, and we will do so again. We'll read the first 14 verses of John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will 
do it. We'll ask the Lord's help, please, now upon His Word. Father, I pray that the Word we have read and these familiar things would not escape us. They would not become familiar so that we don't consider the weight. Dear Father, I pray for help to speak the Word this morning. I pray for grace to be given to everyone listening. I pray, Lord, there would be encouragement and blessing to every heart. And I ask, Lord, again for the salvation of those who are still unsaved. Bless us now and hear our words, our prayers, our hearts, for we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. It must have been a shock for the disciples to hear that they would not just be doing the works of Jesus, but they would be doing greater works than Him. And as we considered last Lord's Day morning, the greatness of those works, it most definitely had to apply to the scope and to the number both of the salvation of souls and the extent of the kingdom of God that expanded through the work of the disciples, the apostles, and the early Christians. Then the next statement of their master must have seemed almost unbelievable that whatsoever thing they asked for in His name would be granted, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now this asking we come to understand as prayer. This asking that Jesus is speaking about is supplication. It's to do with the Christian and how we are to come to God and to seek His face, that we might understand and know His will and be equipped to accomplish the wonderful works of God in our lives. For us, though sadly, and I think it's a testimony of every Christian, prayer Prayer is one of the most difficult things that we will do consistently in our lives. Why is that? Well, so many factors, but it kind of boils down to the world, it seems, and all the cares and responsibilities and the duties that come upon us, the busyness of life. Oh, and don't forget this how that the devil battles against our flesh. The spirit and the flesh are at war. And to set aside time necessary to 
still our minds and to seek the face of God, well, we are in a battle because the devil hates the fact that Christians come to pray. And you have heard the the line of that hymn that the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his or her knees. Well, that's why there's a battle that is raging against the Christian. And it's a battle that every believer who is earnest about God, every Christian who is serious about the serious things of God, very much aware of this battle. And apart from these difficulties, why is it that you think believers do not pray? I think very sadly, it does boil down to this, and it's not oversimplified that we just don't really believe in God's Word. We just really don't take it to heart that what God says He is going to do. Consider that God has given us many examples through His servants in the past. Examples of men and women of prayer that we have studied in the Scripture, and we have seen and realized the fulfillment of their praying, and that should be to us an encouragement and we know those things, and we have read them. And then what about the multiplied promises that God has given us in His Word? We see those things, and we know they are true. We read this Word, Ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And therefore, it's, it is often our bold unbelief or a lack of faith in the reality of a God who says in His Word exactly what He means, and He means what He says. We could pray as the disciples did at one time, Lord, increase our faith. And that's not a bad prayer to pray. But perhaps it should be also when we pray, Lord, increase our faith, dispel our unbelief. Deliver us from this chain which shows itself in so many forms of fear and doubt and lack of trust. What about the word the Apostle Paul warned the Hebrew Christians with as he was recounting the history of Israel in the Old Testament? And he said to them, beware of the sin of unbelief. He's talking to Christians, the Hebrews, And that warning comes to us today, doesn't it? Because we know and have read and are familiar with what happened to those that disbelieved God in the wilderness and they died in the wilderness because of that. And the warning is, don't be like them. Observe how they refused to believe in the promises of God. And the outcome was not good for that generation. So we ask the Lord, and we pray today, Lord, lift us up and away from any unbelief or faithlessness into the light and the refreshment and the abundant supply 
that the Lord has given to us in His Word, because as we walk with Him and in that light, there will be great rejoicing. There will be great advancement. There will be many answers, but let's not be naive about this. That doesn't mean there will be yet many troubles and trials in our lives. I want to think with you this morning on verse 13. Such a well-known Scripture. It has been preached on many times by many different uh, preachers of the Word. But for us in our study, I want us to think again about it this morning. These words of Jesus. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And Christian, ask the Lord right now to write this truth upon your heart as I pray it myself. I don't want to become familiar, so familiar with a promise like this, so that I said, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. No, no, let's not do that today, but pray that God would reinforce the truth once more to our souls and bring its power to us with freshness. So we think in the first place today about the soul ground of our praying. The soul ground and authority of our praying. For Jesus said these words, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. If we were to read that verse of Scripture in isolation from John 14, it would be a tremendous promise. But when we read it in context of what we have known already of the words that Christ has said, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Philip and Thomas, if you had known me, you would have known that I am in the Father. Believe the words that I'm speaking unto you. And if you don't believe the words, well, look at the works I've done and then believe for the very works and words because I have come from the Father. I am speaking the message of the Father and it is to you today I'm telling you this. In this context, Jesus said to them, the works that I have done, greater works will you do, more expansive. And therefore, whatsoever you ask in my name, I will give you. The name of Christ is high above every other name. There is no other name under heaven among men given whereby we must be saved. There is only one name between God and men whereby we can get salvation. It is the name and the man, Christ Jesus. Friend, are you in Him today? Are you a child of God by faith? Have you received Jesus as your own personal Savior? If you are not in Him today, if you have not believed in Him, then you cannot expect that God will answer your prayers. 
People pray in the name of many, many gods today. They pray in the name of Allah. They will pray in the name of Buddha. They will pray in other gods of this world. But there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and whereby through that name we can come to God in prayer. It is in the name of Jesus. The Bible makes this so clear. Prayer that deliberately leaves out the name of Christ is not answered by the Father. Let's be very, very clear about that. But also, there is an extension to that that people can use the name of Jesus and they might speak it from their lips. But if their hearts or their lives are walking against, deliberately walking against the revealed truth of God's Word, they are both liars, deceivers, hypocrites, and frauds. They are in the gall of their own iniquity and in the deception of their own lust and deceit. Their prayers will not be heard. Because when someone comes in Jesus' name, in the name of Christ, it must be according to the revealed Word of God in all that that name represents. We have some example of this in the Old Testament because the very first time that phrase, in my name, appears, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Interesting because God Jehovah is speaking through Moses. And Moses is giving a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And he is saying that God will raise up a prophet like unto me. And him the people will hear. He said, I will raise up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. God is talking to Moses. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So God is telling us that as he communicates his revelation, his truth, as he is giving out through himself by his prophet, it is his name and the weight and the value and the importance of the name of Jehovah and if a person comes forward and pretends to speak in his name, God says these solemn words, I will require it of him. You cannot use the name of God lightly. You cannot use the name of the Lord flippantly. 
You dare not use it deceptively. No, my friends, the name of God is absolutely holy and true and right. And Jeremiah speaks about the false prophets in his day that used God's name. Jeremiah 14, verse 14, Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision of divination. Oh, the devil's behind that, isn't he? No surprise to us, because the devil has his own prophets. And the devil has those ministers of righteousness, as they're called in the New Testament, who are deceivers. And they come forth as angels of light, but really they are the messengers of darkness. And Jeremiah warns, they prophesy unto you false vision and divination and a thing of nothing and the deceit of their heart. Friend, be on your guard today. Be on your guard in this time. Because as John the Apostle warned, there are many false apostles. There are many false teachers that have gone out into the world. And John says, as there were false prophets among the Old Testament saints, so there will be false teachers in our day. So, we cannot be surprised about this, and we want not to be shocked about it, but we do want to have discernment from the Spirit of God and to be praying that the Lord will help us. Because when you and I take the name of Christ into our lips, when we are going to speak about Him or pray to God in His name, we want to be very careful that we are using the holy name of Christ with all its holiness. Jesus warned in Matthew 24 and verse 5, the Sermon on the Mount, He warned about the end times. And He said, For many shall come in My name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And the lesson from this is that when we speak in the name of God as His representatives, we must do so with great care. We must do so with great honesty and fear. As again, Jeremiah 23, verse 28 he says, The prophet that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Let him not speak that word deceptively, either through his own deception or in trying to twist the words, the word of God. So when we think about using Christ's name and speaking in His name, there is a proper way that we are to do that. And the Lord gives us the direction on this manner. 
It is by receiving or when we receive and welcome people. In Mark 9, verse 37, it says, Whosoever shall receive one such of the, of the children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. So Jesus is saying that if we accept those who have come in Christ's name, professing that they know Jesus, and we are to receive them willingly in Christ, and we find that they are true messengers and servants of the Lord, we are to receive them as we would receive Christ Himself. We're also, when we think about the proper use of God's name, when it has to do with the gathering of God's people. In Matthew 18, verse 20, we're told where two or three are gathered together, Jesus said, in my name. There am I in the midst of them. We often use this for prayer and thinking of prayer meetings. And I think it's not a bad application for that for sure. But quite strictly, Matthew 18 is dealing with church courts. It is dealing with the judgment that must take place within the body of God's people if there is some dispute or some difficulty. And Jesus is saying that when you are gathered together, to make adjudication as a body of my people. You are gathering under the authority of heaven, and you are gathering in my name. That is why, dear brothers and sisters, when we are in the fellowship of God's house, when we are gathered to open the Scriptures and to meet for the preaching of His Word, when we are gathered for prayer meetings, these are solemn times. These are not times for lightness and frivolity. These are times when we are serious about the matters that are most serious in the eyes of God. And when it comes to the point of the gathering of the oversight of the church for the purpose of adjudication, two or three gathering in Jesus' name, he said, there am I in the midst of them. That tells us that Jesus is very, very interested in what's going on within his church. He's very interested about how people behave and what we are to do, and what we are not to do, and how we are to react one to another, and certainly how we are to live according to His own holy Word. This brings this all together, you know, with what Jesus was saying to His disciples in John 14 when He said, "'Whatsoever you ask in My name.'" whether it be in your personal supplication and prayer, or whether it has to do with, as Matthew 18 tells us, the gathering together for the purpose of wise decision-making, trying to settle 
complicated problems that may arise in the local church. And sometimes, sadly, those things do happen. Maybe there's a dispute between a brother and a brother or a sister and a sister. Maybe there's a problem where someone has stumbled and fallen and there, there has to be the operation and the work of the elders of the oversight of the church. These are always very important and solemn times. And the Lord Jesus has said, I am there in the midst. And we think about that in the gathering of God's people as we are today in the house here. Jesus said, I am here. I am with you. He is in the pew beside you. He is here in the pulpit beside me. These are the most solemn truths. And yet they are so wonderful. They are so encouraging. It helps us to know that we are not in this on our own. We are not going on our own charges. We are going under and on the authority of the God of heaven. And that helps us, friends, not to be afraid of the world, not to be afraid of the face of men that would bring their charges against us. Let them be brought. And it may well be we will be dragged before their courts. It may be we will be charged according to the laws of the land with hatred or any other number of charges they will bring against us be it conversion therapy or any of the other things that the Bible speaks so clearly about, we are under the canopy and the umbrella and the protection of Christ Jesus with us. That's what was so, I'm sure, staggering to the disciples in that day because they were being sent out. Christ was leaving them. He was going to send the Comforter, but He was saying to them, even though I am going unto my Father, I am going to commit myself to be with you and to hear you and to supply your every need. It would also be in the work of the New Testament believer for in Mark 16, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils and shall speak with new tongues, new languages. And in Mark 9, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. How the work of God will continue and how we are to monitor and know that we are doing what we are doing in Jesus' holy name. And of course, we use this very important promise as we come to seek God for our intercession. But what exactly is the Christian doing when we are praying or asking or seeking in the name of Christ? What does that really mean for us? 
It means, my dear brothers and sisters, that we are recognizing there is no other name but Jesus. Apart from Him, we have no appeal to the Father in heaven. And I emphasize this to you this morning that it is our union with Christ that warrants our approach to the Father. It is our union with Christ Jesus, and it's not our union with a local church. It is not the fact that we tick off the box of some creed or confession. It is nothing to do with race. It's nothing to do with a charter of rights. It is, my friends, only because of that name of our Lord and Savior. And when we are praying in that name, we are acknowledging our union with Jesus. We are testifying that I belong to Him and He belongs to me. And I have this blessed hope. The Christian comes to God in prayer on the ground of the finished work of the Savior and on the ground of His own precious shed blood. And this was so clearly pictured for us and given in the book of Hebrews, how the high priest went and he offered the atonement blood once a year on the Holy of Holies. But now, that veil that's separated between the common people, if we could put it that way, and what the high priest was allowed to do, that veil that's been torn from the top to the bottom when Christ was crucified on the cross, has now gloriously opened up the way for us to have access with boldness to the very throne of God. And we have that place of fellowship and communion now. And when we come in the name of Jesus, we are holding up to God. We are holding up everything that that name represents. Everything that that name represents. Praying on the merit of Jesus Christ alone. There is no other name. But friends, we also recognize this, don't we? That our own names are powerless. One commentator noted, he said, Jesus found us nameless, for we had not a name of any honorable distinction to lose or to merge. The Savior describes our condition as lost, without name, without home, and without reputation. And He gave us His own name, and our miserable name was hidden and lost in the brightness of Christ that is put so well. Our name is nothing. We are worthless. But God has taken us 
And He has placed upon us the name of Christ. And so we have a mark upon us now, believer. You have Jesus' name upon you, as I do. And as we are followers of the Son of God, when we come to pray in Christ's name, there is authority behind our praying. And so we ask ourselves, are we praying in and through that authority granted to us in our life? So we've been thinking about the sole ground of our prayer. I want you to notice in the second place, please, the, the scope of our requesting. Jesus said, Whatsoever ye shall ask. These are the words of our Lord. And so, what encouragement this would have poured into the very sad and troubled hearts of the disciples, well, we could imagine. Our Lord was not going to leave them defenseless. He was equipping them so that they would be able to face the storms of life and by supplying them with the mighty weapon of prayer. But no sooner do we read these words, there's a question that arises in our minds because not all things that we pray for do we see them coming to pass as we prayed for them. But we also have examples in the Scripture where people prayed and it didn't quite happen the way they wanted to. And we've used these examples to you before and you know them. What about Elijah when he prayed that God would take his life away? He had had enough. He had failed. He thought there's no more people standing for the Lord. I'll just take my life away. I'm done. But if God had answered that prayer for him, he would have missed out on being taken up to heaven without dying. So God had something better for him. And I think I could say this quite confidently, that Elijah was very, is very happy today that God never answered that prayer that he prayed about taking his life away. Because he saw something that, well, only a couple have seen in this world. And we know that Paul prayed to have the thorn in his flesh removed. But God did not give him that. But he answered it with something different. And you know the answer, don't you? That my grace would be sufficient for you. David, King David, wanted to build the house for God. He wanted to build the temple so bad. But God says, no, you cannot build it, but I'm going to allow you to prepare for that temple to be built so that your son will build it. And David prepared with all his heart and he laid up gold and silver and precious stones and an abundant supply. And the Lord answered his prayer in a different way. James and John, they had asked the Lord if they would be at the right hand in the kingdom. Well, it was really James and John's mother that asked that question, but they were part of it. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Because it was a foolish prayer request. And it was really something more motivated by their own pride than it was for the glory of Jesus. There were very good reasons why 
what God had for not granting the requests of these. And often, prayers are not granted, sadly, because of of sin in the heart. Isaiah 59 and verse 1 said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And we know that David prayed, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And so we have to take these things to our heart and understand and know that if there's something that we are keeping inside, if we're not recognizing, confessing, putting right, something where the Spirit of God is convicting us, we know that our prayers are hindered. Therefore, these words of Christ, when He said that whatsoever ye ask, they cannot be taken as a blanket statement to cover every whim or every notion that arises in the heart of a man. But they must be considered, and here it is, they must be considered in the context of the scriptural teaching on prayer. A very similar verse we find in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you that what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And the operative word there is when ye pray. And it's linked to the words, in my name. So Christian, here is the key to understand this. It is when we are praying in the name of Jesus, in other words, words, true praying, God-honoring prayer is based on the word and the will of God of God. And when we come to desire something from the Lord, let us not confuse this with anything that might be carnal or self-serving or something that would be to promote ourselves. We are exhorted, aren't we, in Hebrews 4, to come boldly unto the throne of grace We might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of our need, and yet we are never told to come to the Lord irreverently or foolishly or with some kind of familiarity. We need to be in close fellowship with our Father so that the desires that we have are directly reflecting the will of our God in heaven. J.C. Ryle made this comment. He said, Of course, it is taken for granted that the things we ask are for our soul's good and not mere temporal benefits. He says, The anything and the whatsoever in this prayer do not include wealth and money and worldly prosperity. These things are not always good for us, he says. And our Lord loves us too well to let us have them. Isn't that a blessed statement? 
Our Father in heaven loves us too well to just give us everything we want. Isn't it the foolishness of parents who just give and give and give to their parents, of their children, without stopping and thinking, what impact will this have upon their lives? No, when your children have come to you at times and say, Daddy, Mommy, I want this, I want this, I want this toy, I want that toy. What parent would say, oh yes, have this, oh yes, have that, oh yes, have this. It would spoil the child. No, sometimes Mommy and Daddy say, no, this is not good for you, you can't have this. Well, then they think about our Father in heaven, for He says the same thing. When we come and ask certain things of the Lord, which may not be for His honor. And the Lord will withhold things from us, as we have noted in Elijah's case and in James and John. Let me ask you, believer today, would you want the answer to a prayer that you knew was directly opposite of God's will for your life. And I believe that if you honestly reflect on that, you would have to say, no, I, I would not want that. And I thank the Lord He has not given me the things that I have requested in my life in the time of my great urgency or in the time of my overwhelming sadness or in the time when I have been seriously cast down and I have uttered things before the Lord, I am thankful today that He has not granted those things to me. The Lord always knows best. The sole ground of our praying, the scope of our request. And then think of the fulfillment of our praying. Jesus said, That will I do. This is the seal of the God of heaven upon our praying. It is the Word of Christ who cannot lie. And we understand it clearly from Psalm 37 and verse 4, where the psalmist said, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And it all comes together when we understand that the desire of the heart of a man of God, a woman of God, it's always going to be for the glory of our Savior and how we will be benefited to be better believers, better servants, better ministries, ministers of the gospel of Christ. Do not stumble, brother and sister, at this word at all. Even though at times the answer will tarry, and you know you're praying in the will of God because you know you're praying on the promises of God's Word. And yet the promise seems to go unanswered for a period of time. We cannot also forget, friends, about our own past and the consequences of our actions that that has upon us. We cannot escape those practical things at times and so sometimes the prayer that we're asking, it must be filtered through the will of God and our own past as well. In Isaiah 65 and verse 24, it says, It shall come to pass that before they call, 
I will answer, and while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Well, that's a great encouragement for the child of God. When you're praying on the promises, and you're praying in the will of God, when you pray, God answers that prayer. And it, He's already answered it in heaven. He's already answered it as it applies in your life. But you have not seen the realization or the answer of that prayer yet. But in the eyes of God, it's already answered. And you must rest in faith. And I would say there are prayers we have asked the Lord for. We've forgotten about them a long time ago, but the Lord never forgot. And it will come upon a day that that prayer is answered, and then He will give us a memory and a blessed reflection back on those times when maybe we forgot. Dear brother and sister, when we come to pray in Christ's name and He promises to give us that, we're coming to the Father in heaven and we're coming to the One that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. And how shall He not also freely with Him give us all things? Yes, we worship the Lord who is always near and never going to turn us away. Because this is the, and the final thought I leave with you, is the ultimate purpose. Behind all this, it is that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The reason behind our asking <clears throat> and the reason behind God's granting the realm of our prayer as it relates to the sovereign plan of God. It may not be easy for us to understand or comprehend, even to digest. At times we are tempted to ask, well, what's the point of praying? If God is going to do what He has already purposed to do, why should we pray? And believers, sometimes when you face this, and I have, let the answer come back to us. It's the answer of faith and obedience according to the Word. We, we may not know the details and how God's plan is all going to work out, but the Lord uses the vehicle of our praying in the lives of each one of us to accomplish His will. Can you rest in that? Can you obey Him in this? Can you trust Him? Yes, we know prayer shows dependence on the Lord and not on ourselves. It teaches us that we must be engaged in the process. However, it works in the secret counsels of God. We may not know it, but we trust our loving Heavenly Father. Our Lord Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. And of course, we know that includes women as well. There was good reason, and we need to get to it. And we need to stay at it and to realize that the church of Jesus Christ will go forward only as we go forward on our knees in prayer, seeking the Lord with all our heart, praying for His blessing 
and His will to be done in and through our lives because, brothers and sisters, it shows us our dependence upon Him. And it reminds us always that we are not to depend on ourselves. It is, it is in His holy name. Whatsoever, whatsoever we ask in Christ Jesus' holy, precious name, He will grant to us so that our Father in heaven will be glorified in the life and in the name of His only begotten Son. Let's close, please, in prayer. As we close now, it may be that you're, you're wrestling over the very issue of your own salvation. I encourage you today, friend, don't put off another opportunity God has given you. Call upon Him. Trust in Him with all your heart. And you will know that He is a loving and powerful, forgiving Savior. Father, take this word today, we ask, and write it on all our hearts. Help us, we pray, to be men and women of prayer. And dear God, encourage our hearts in the times when we are weak, and we admit that, and in the times when we have doubts. Remove them, Lord, by the reassurance of the promise of Scripture. Bless us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn today Number 666, Jesus, where'er thy people meet. We're singing this hymn, and if you're not staying for our communion service, well, please feel free to leave after we sing the first verse, and uh, you're welcome to stay. If you're not a believer, then please, we ask you not to take the elements as they are passed in front of you. Let's stand, please, to worship.
and sweeten care, to teach our faint desires to rise and bring all heaven before our eyes. Precious words, great truth. As we sing this final verse now, I'm going to ask the folks who are going to be joining with us in membership to please come up to the front and sit in this front pew here. Let's sing this final verse.